Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. First up, here at the beginning of the new year, I feature some encouraging words on prayer from Amelia Rhodes, who has categorized topics of prayer according to the alphabet. Next, you'll be hearing from Kelly Bellari, who brings some insight into confronting and walking in victory over fear. Then, Renee Swope of Proverbs 31 Ministries, a contributor to a book from a variety of authors who address how women can engage in meaningful friendships. Also on this edition of The Intersection, it's Wellington Boone, who addresses race relations from a historical perspective and promotes the unity that God wants to bring, regardless of racial background. Finally, you'll hear from Laurie Cardoza more of Proclaiming Justice to the Nations, with comments on the recent U.N. resolution against Israel's construction projects on land that has historically belonged to them. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Amelia Rhodes is an author who has developed a unique approach to prayer, assigning topics based on letters of the alphabet. She's written a book called Pray A to Z, a practical guide to pray for your community. Here now is Amelia Rhodes. Well, it started a couple years ago when I was really struggling with my own prayer life and just feeling very overwhelmed by all of the needs around me. And after several friends had called me and texted me in one day with very heavy needs, you know, where each one had said, as I'm sure you've been asked, you know, will you please pray for me? Um, I sat down to pray and I just felt convicted that I wasn't very faithful in following through long term. I would do the, you know, I'm going to pray on the spot because I said I would. But weeks later, I'd run into the person and think, oh, I, I should have continued to pray and I, you know, would pray again on the spot. So this started with just feeling overwhelmed and asking God to help me think of a way to be more disciplined and remember to pray for people. And I need simple things, simple ways to remember, and as I sat there that day praying, I realized how many friends were struggling with adoption, how many were going through cancer, how many were battling depression, and the thought of praying through the alphabet and coming up with a topic and praying by topic, A to Z, just came to me that day, and I started praying that way and found myself, rather than being overwhelmed, praying for more people in more situations than I ever had before. All right, Amelia, I want to take just a very brief detour, a little word of encouragement here as we go into the new year. Now, people who have listened to me know I'm not, I'm not a big New Year's resolution type of person, but I think that we, it is good to make some goals that we can pursue at the beginning of each year. It does give us an opportunity for a reset, if you will. Well, what are the things maybe we can all purpose to do a bit better, maybe a lot better, is to actually, when someone says, please pray for me, or please pray for, and fill in the blank, we actually do it. Because, I, right. I, you know, th there is a frustration that comes when you say that you, you're you going to pray for somebody, and then you end up not doing it. So, <laughs> just a little Yeah, and I think we all, we all mean well, and then yeah. our, our lives just get, get so busy, or, you know, there's so many things happening, and so... I find, you know, maybe it's, you know, responding to a text message with a prayer or posting on someone's Facebook wall when they ask for prayer, go ahead and write out a prayer in the comments, doing it on the spot, and then writing it down in a place that I will remember to do so for weeks. Well, and and you actually have given a tool to help people to do that. Share just a bit more about the structure here as you have this this whole template of praying A to Z. Right. 
Well, I ended up going uh, with five topics per letter, so I'm, I'm I'm better at words than math. So I think that's about 150 <laughs> different topics, <laughs> and three of them cover prayers of petition, where we are asking God to work in a certain area, and two of them are prayers of praise. And I find it so crucial to include the praise because the needs get really heavy and overwhelming. I I cover things like homelessness and zero prejudice and hunger and abuse and alcoholism, but then at the same time we're praising god that he is our comforter he is all abundant and he's almighty and so each letter has three prayers of petition and two prayers of praise amelia yes the the needs can be so overwhelming as we have not only our own personal needs but we have family and friends and church and and, and things taking place in our community and our nation in this troubled crazy world in which we live and we really do need to be organized in our prayers so let's let's talk about you mentioned that you had a number of friends that were involved in various stages of the adoption process for instance so Correct. Practical yeah. use, when you look at that being one of the categories, how do you see using that as a means of, of really praying and addressing these needs of people that have expressed that they have that need? Right. And and with each topic, um, I gave everyone a place to start. I view these for each topic as a springboard or an icebreaker, maybe a starting place for your conversation with God. And I included a scripture for each one because I love to start with looking at what God says about a particular topic and finding encouragement from his word and many times praying that scripture back. And then I wrote a couple sentences as a prompt to help you think about different people and groups and organizations who are meeting that need. And I've had a number of people tell me, you know, I didn't think that I knew anybody dealing with a particular topic. But as I read through your couple sentence prompts, I realized I did, and God brought people to mind. And so, and then I wrote just a short little prayer to help you get started, because sometimes I find myself praying the same thing over and over, or, or even just getting so overwhelmed where it's just kind of, Lord, please just help them. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Just help. Amelia Rhodes here on The Intersection. You can find out more by visiting the website ameliarhodes.com. This is the Intersection Podcast with Kelly Bellari, author of a book called Fear Fighting, Awakening Courage to Overcome Your Fears. In our recent conversation, she discussed her own personal experience with fear and anxiety and how God showed her through the process of writing the book, How to Face Her Fears. This is Kelly Bellari. I wrote this book fear fighting because I am the ultimate fearing woman. Seriously, I'm a warrior. I have anxiety. I just live walking around nervous that my kids are going to fall and hurt themselves or my husband's not going to return home from work or I wasn't kind enough to someone or they think this about me. It's like, it's constant battle. So I know God exists. I love God, but I said, God, you know what? I know you tell me not to fear. So I need you to rescue me from my fears. This book was my desperation call to God. It was like, God, I need you to show up here. I need you to bring your scripture, your truth, and lead me into your love because you say your perfect love casts out fear. And so this book was a journey for me, and I didn't want to write this book just for myself, although really I did see this book for myself. Um, I also wanted to write it for all the, my other fearing sisters who may be um, worried and anxious and give them tips and tricks and prayers and all the things that were working for me to set me free. 
looking back, what have you found to be maybe some of the causes? Why is it that you and why is it that people have you found are fearful and anxious? You know, I think as children, when you think back to being young, you just were carefree, right? Like for me, I would like go run outside and I would sing and I would do circles and it was just me and, and, and God basically. And I just dance and I just was beautiful in his eyes. And then things start to hurt me. People start to hurt me and there's offenses and rejections and put downs that happen in life. Right. And all of a sudden you realize, wow, these people don't just like say, Oh, look at Kelly. She's so beautiful. But they, they kind of can be people that hurt you. And um, maybe you need to put up arms and, and, and get ready to fight, you know? And so that's what we do. A lot of times fear is our um, internal mechanism to fight back, to make sure that we're protected. And that's why fear fighting, we want to fear fight, not, by our flesh, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, so that we're doing things God's way and we're learning what his truth is rather than just our natural inclinations to protect self so that we don't get hurt from those deep wounds that were left in us um, as children and maybe reinforced as we grew up through life. A lot of times you can see a theme running through your life. Like maybe you can see that you were rejected and that you fear people are going to leave you, or maybe you're afraid of the future and you're thinking, oh man, you know, things are always going to bite me out there because, because that's what's always happened. You know, so if you can recognize what the fear, the theme is of your life, you can help get to the belief that's underneath that to, to find the truth that's going to set you free. So what are some of the things you began to learn as you started writing about this topic? Absolutely. It's a really great question. I just use this as my own personal counseling session with God, like, okay, God, just show me, teach me, lead me, which I think God loves that kind of stance when you just come to him and say, show me, teach me, lead me. He will show up and he will do that. What I came to realize as I wrote the book was I don't need to chide myself that I feel, feel, feel fearful. It's a natural thing. So many people in the Bible felt afraid, but what happens is God's like, there's no condemnation for you, Kelly Bellari, but just come to me. Fear me. Don't fear everything else. And walk with me, and I'll walk you into places of peace. And so before I would get so angry at myself, I'd be like, don't think about fear. Don't stop fearing. Get better. You, you're messing up again. You're, come on, Kelly. You're not a girl of God. You know, and I'd be so hard on myself. But what I came to realize, and I'm totally giving you guys the end of the book, filling in all the gaps, but I feel like it's so important, is that God just says, you know, to be fearless, just fear less. Take it step by step, right? Take the step to fear a little bit less, and then the next step with God, to fear a little bit less until you take all those steps and you look back and you realize that you're 10 miles away from the fear that you once have, rather than setting demands on myself. Um, just let God um, hold me. And, and I think I wrote this book looking back at it. It's just really a love letter from God to me with practical tips and insights and scripture and even um, a study in the back to really help people dive into um, this great journey of fear fighting. Kelly Ballari here on The Intersection. Learn more through the website fearfightingbook.com or go to purposefulfaith.com. The Intersection continues now with Renee Swope, an author and speaker for Proverbs 31 Ministries, heard on the Proverbs 31 radio program for a number of years. In our conversation, she discussed the book Craving Connection, 30 Challenges for Real-Life Engagement, an extension of the Encourage online community. She is one of the contributors to that book. Here now is Renee Swope. What started in 1995 as a small newsletter 
God had much bigger plans, um, became a 5013C nonprofit ministry um, and incorporated to, and then to reach women in all walks of life. So broaden the focus of the ministry um, and um, now reaching millions each day through the various capacities um, and platforms um, that the ministry, you know, reaches women through. And then the radio ministry, which you mentioned earlier. So the radio ministry has been around for probably about 17 years, maybe even longer than that. But my role with radio was for the past 10 years. Um, so from 2006 until 2016, and then I just transitioned out of that role in the fall. Um, I'm transitioning into just a much slower and smaller pace of life. Um, we have a daughter that we adopted from Ethiopia seven years ago, and she has, um, she was severely malnourished. And so as she has grown, we've realized um, just through her education and just different situations that she's got some developmental delays, speech delays. And so we are very uh, busy with occupational therapy and speech therapy and some eye therapy. And so um, I'm transitioning out of my roles and just focusing on writing books and being her mom and doing interviews and just writing at a slower pace um, as my life stage kind of capacity changes a little bit. But I'm so honored to be here and um, so grateful that, you know, I've been able to connect with your listeners. I love Alabama. I'm from North Carolina, so oh, Alabama awesome. just seems like our next door neighbor. <laughs> That's great. You mentioned something very interesting, the thirst or the seeking out of community. And this really kind of segues into a discussion about Craving Connection, the book, the Encourage Community. Talk about the importance for for not only stay-at-home mothers, but really for women in general with respect to community and craving that connection. How's that for a segue? Yeah, so yeah, it's interesting you, you pull that point out because that is exactly how I got involved with Proverbs 31 Ministries was because of my own craving connection and community when we moved to Charlotte. Um, so we had moved to Charlotte, new city. We had a new baby. My husband started a new job. We were looking for a new church. Um, but all, you know, throughout our seasons of life, as we transition maybe into a new job or we move across town or we change churches or um, you know, our kids get older and our friendships shift, you know, even as we adopted Aster. So we have a third child, um, a little girl who's eight, um, in addition to our sons who are 21 and 19, I shifted into a whole different season of motherhood than most of my friends because of a lot of my friends, you know, had older kids like I did. And that became another season where I found myself lonely. Um, even I was working, you know, so I was around people, but just life was so full that, and I it was, you know, guilty of just trying thinking my work relationships and my online, you know, keeping in touch with people on Facebook or Instagram, that was enough. And I found myself just lonely and really starting over again. Okay, how do I rebuild community again in this new season of life as my relationships transition? And of course, I have those long-term friendships, but, um, you know, it's easy to get really busy with your kids and job and church, you know, just all kinds of volunteering with your kids' schools, if that's what you're doing, and, and let that face-to-face community um, slip down maybe in our priorities and the time that we're spending when we look on our calendar, how much time are we spending face-to-face um, in relationships with other women or men with other men, um, 
you know, really encouraging one another, sharpening one another, praying for one another, listening, supporting one another. Renee Swope here on The Intersection. The website address for the book is cravingcommunitybook.com. The Proverbs 31 website is proverbs31.org. This is The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. The website address is meetinghouseonline.info. Through that site, you'll find a link to the download center marked Meeting House On Demand, through which you can listen to, download, or share full conversations with recent guests featured on The Intersection Podcast. Also, through that site, you can subscribe to the podcast and have it delivered to your podcast-receiving software, including iTunes, on a weekly basis. Two blogs are accessible as well. Plus, you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Video content is accessible also. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info. Wellington Boone is founder of Wellington Boone Ministries and the Fellowship of International Churches. Recently, he discussed race relations from a historical perspective and offered examples of narratives that have led to disunity between the races. He is the author of a book called Black Self-Genocide, What Black Lives Matter Won't Say. From that conversation, this is Wellington Boone. When I looked at what was at the top of the conversation that was that was out there nationally, you know, and some of the main media outlets seem to emphasize so much the negative. And then there are these groups of people that know how to market to get themselves known uh, for the sake of a personal agenda. I, I know this, that uh, our nation needs revival. It, it, it does, no question about it. And I'm talking about not just what one would do when they go to a church service. I mean, you and I know that the uh, Third Great Awakening, 1857 by Jeremiah Lanphier, a businessman, and we know the effect of, of Finney in, in places like Rome, New York, and Rochester, and even even in Philadelphia, because Philadelphia in the 1800s was like the Harlem of today. He shook that. He shook. He and Father Nash, an intercessor, shook that city, measurably changed crime, and measurably changed the kids born out of wedlock and drugs and alcohol, measurably went down. I mean... And I believe today God has earmarked this country for revival. And those, but the devil is the devil. I mean, the Bible says the, the sower sows the seed, the devil comes immediately to take away the seed that was sown. And to me, I believe God is giving us a chance. And he's screaming to us in many different categories. And uh, so I wrote this book because I felt like that um, they were, we're dying. We're, we're dying in two ways, spiritually we haven't seen a revival in this country analogous to the Azusa Street revival in 1906 in, all, in over 100 years. We've had some moves like, you know, the Asbury revival at Asbury College. We've had uh, some other moves like Pensacola and other places. But in the inner cities, um, no, they're dying. There hasn't been a revival in the inner cities in 100 years. That was a long answer. But I, I wanted to write a book that would have both a historical understanding of where our nation and in relation to race has come from. I wanted to talk about and put it in, and cite the sources for enfranchisement, meaning what whites have done to actually reverse the negative with the positive, because it has happened. Like, for example, after emancipation, I mean, AMA, American Missionary Association, 
white from the north sent 2,000 teachers down to educate blacks that were in slavery, which was about 99% illiterate. They turned the illiteracy rate by 1900, from 1865 to 1900, of the black community from illiteracy to literacy to about 70 to 80% literacy in 35 years, which, by the way, was a higher literacy rate in 1900 than blacks have today graduating out of high school. This is white people. I believe that the Spirit of God is touching the hearts of both whites and blacks to walk in the spirit of humility and to have as a primary priority doing things the way Jesus would do them, loving, forgiving unconditionally, believing unequivocally, and standing on the Word of God as a talking point, not just saying what secularists are saying or if you want to be in a category of politics, liberals are saying, and in some cases, conservatives are saying. I believe it's time now for us who are biblicists to stand up mm. and give the answers that are age old, and they're in the Bible. There's nothing we can go through that there's not some biblical premise of behavior and principle that can be the overarching mentality for defeating the challenges. Wellington Boone here on The Intersection. His website is wellingtonboone.com. Finally, on this edition of The Intersection podcast, it's Laurie Cardoza-Moore, president of an organization called Proclaiming Justice to the Nations. She's also United Nations Special Envoy for the World Council of Independent Christian Churches. In our recent conversation, she discussed a recent U.N. resolution on construction that Israel has conducted in the West Bank. The United States abstained from voting on that resolution. Here now is Laurie Cardoza-Moore. With regards to the U.N. vote last week, Bob, that was um, a very frightening thing that we witnessed. For the first time in the history of the state of Israel, the modern state of Israel, and the United States of America for a sitting president to call on his UN ambassador to abstain from voting while the world, the world leaders who were gathered there at the UN Security Council voted to, um, to condemn Israel and condemn the, the so-called settlements. As Christians, we know that Israel is the biblical land that God gave to her, every bit of it, East Jerusalem, um, the, the Wailing Wall, the Temple Mount, the Jewish Quarter, and all of the quarters within there, Judea and Samaria, the Golan Heights. In fact, Israel doesn't even reside in all of her biblical heartland. She has a little sliver. The United States, Israel has always been able to count on the United States to be there to veto any effort by these anti-Semites at the United Nations who are constantly looking and trying, as you stated in your opening statement, constantly passing anti-Israel resolutions, accusing Israel of apartheid tactics, accusing Israel of killing innocent men, women, and children. This, is, this was appalling. It has outraged Americans. We have per- this, it's, it's interesting because a lot of the, the Christians that I have spoken with who are involved in this work, um, you know, defending Israel, supporting our Jewish brethren, and even Israelis living in the land, feel that 
there is a, a, a spiritual component of chaos that has been unleashed on the earth. And they're feeling this, this incredible, intense pressure. It's outrageous what is happening. We know Australia, the uh, UN uh, uh, ambassador um, for Australia, Julie Bishop, came out and said that Australia, had Australia been on the UN Security Council, they certainly would have voted against it. So it's, it's, a, it's a very disturbing time that we're, we're witnessing here in the United States of America. This is the biblical heartland of Israel. This is the land that God promised to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and their descendants forever. In fact, your audience can go to our website at pjtn.org. There's a great documentary. It is the definitive film that exposes Israel's historical, archaeological, legal, and biblical rights to her ancient homeland. And we actually produced that film back in 2013. But that film, that documentary, the message in that documentary is so relevant today. The unfortunate thing is many of us have listened to the lies, to the narrative over and over, even as Christians. And I've spoken with Christians who say, well, if Israel would just give up the land, and I want, to, I want to remind them, excuse me, what does the Bible say? I can, if we go to Joel chapter 3, in the latter days, God told the prophet Joel that he was going to wipe out the nations of the world because they were dividing up his land. Which nation, Bob, is leading the charge? But the United States of America, the Judeo-Christian nation. And Bob, we do it. We sit back and we watch what's happening at the United Nations. We watch what's happening in Washington, D.C., and we don't get engaged in this battle. God put us on this planet at this time. He put life into our physical bodies. He gave us our souls and brought us into the world now, Bob, not 500 years ago, not even 1,000 years ago. We have the Internet. We have Bible studies. We are the most educated generation, and we have access to the most, um, the greatest um, information globally on any issue. And unfortunately, whether we know these truths or not, we don't act upon them. Laurie Cardoza more here on The Intersection. Learn more through pjtn.org. Well, that just about wraps up this edition of The Intersection Podcast, the weekly production of The Meeting House. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info. Through that site, you'll find a link to the download center. Also, you can subscribe to The Intersection Podcast. There are two blogs accessible. One is The Three, with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. The other is The Front Room, with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House program. You can also follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. You can also get connected to video content. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info. Thanks for joining me for the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.